Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. to another uh, World Cup edition of Man on the Post. Uh, my name is Chris. Uh, with me, I've got James. Good evening. How are we? Very well, thank you. How are you both? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. And I've got making is this your first one of the World Cup, Dave? It is, yeah. I'm uh, just coming in at the end, like uh, no doubt some of England's players will in the third place playoff. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming home. People are jumping on ambulances and everything. They're not going to do that if we're not going to win, are they? I think they probably will, regardless. <laughs> right. Okay, so we are here talking about the first semi-final, which is uh, just finished, and that is France one, Belgium nil. Okay, guys. So, um, it's. I thought it was a pretty tight, drawn-out affair. I thought France did. I mean, sort of tell me if I'm wrong or something. I thought France did deserve it overall. I thought Pogba, Mbappe, and Varane uh, through the sort of spine of that team were immense. As was Larissa at the back. Um, Dave, was I right, or you got another take on that? Uh, no, I think you're spot on. Uh, I think France were just a bit more streetwise. Um, we uh, we were just talking off air there before they made the Euro 2016 final, and I think, all right, yes, they choked on the day, but I think they're probably taking a lot of experience from that, uh, and that they looked like a proper professional tournament team there at the end, especially seeing it out towards the end, how strong and how strong and sturdy the, the formation was throughout the Belgium didn't really make that many clear-cut chances. Um, but it was fairly even game, but uh, I think France probably deserved the win just about. Um, they bought a few fouls towards the end there, James, didn't they? Uh, Dave's right, they got a bit streetwise towards the end. Yeah, Dave is correct. They were very streetwise. Uh, among the players mentioned, I fully agree. But once again, ben- Benjamin Pavard, at the age of 22, you know, he's going to be playing in a World Cup final and not just as a bit part player. He's had an absolutely tremendous tournament and what a, re- what a reward for him. Obviously, it's a reward for all the players and obviously Mbappe is younger than what he is. But Mbappe gets the headlines because he's a striker and he's full of pace and full of uh, creativity. But I think Pavard, this this tournament in his offensive sense, it's, hasn't just gone to the tournament in, and got a squad number. He's got a squad number played, played really well and deserves to be playing in a World Cup final. I thought it was a tremendous performance. Okay. Uh, it was nearly at half-time, wasn't it? So how do you think the sort of first half unfolded? There was the header, I can't remember who, who made the header, but uh, that superb save um, in the first half, wasn't the day? I can't remember who made the header. I think it was Alderweireld on the, on the turn. That's what it know. was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Lloris is... He's a, he's a funny goalkeeper, really, because he makes... This, Tremendous saves like that almost every match, but he also throws in the odd hole every now and again. But uh, he's he's been the best goalkeeper in this World Cup, I think. I think 
obviously Pickford's probably the only one who's running close. I would say. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but uh, you said it's treason, isn't it? <laughs> um, that's that's two strikes now. I'm in trouble. <laughs> but but yeah, it was a, it was a great save. Um, but how many chances in this World Cup have have come from set pieces? Obviously, the winner tonight came from set pieces, but um, a lot of the chances came from corners and things, as has been the case in certainly most England games. Um, it's uh, it's strange in a way because the football has been anything but sort of nil nil playing for set pieces that kind of thing. Yet that's where the the games have been won and lost in a lot of cases. Well, there's a school of thought going, isn't there? That um, there was a lot of penalties given earlier on in the tournament because of holding or VAR or something like that, wasn't it? And now players are aware that VAR is there. They're less likely to be physical in their own penalty area, meaning there's a lot more free headers um, from set pieces. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's, it stacks up, certainly. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it develops across uh, the leagues next season if, if they bring VAR in. I know obviously the Premier League isn't yet, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it works out across across the board if, if this is going to be the way forward now. Yeah. James, what did you make of the first half? Um, I thought um, I think for France just shaved it, to be honest. I thought there were the chance to be had. I thought Belgium, I think they would have looked to score. They needed to score within that time the thing that really jumped out for me for Belgium tonight guys was the substitutions he brought on Delis Mertens who in my opinion should have started ahead but, of who? Um, well um, Dembele? Well, I'm sure. sorry? Dembele who we came on for? Uh, possibly but the creativity that Mertens uh, provides I mean you saw with the accuracy of some of his crossing he, he was only on the pitch about 5-10 minutes and there's accurate balls going into, into the box where players are challenging for it and also bringing on Carrasco with his pace. I thought that, you know, that, that was those substitutions were a bit telling for me. And although Belgium have had a very good tournament, we spoke in the run-up uh, to, uh, to this World Cup about, in the preview pods, about the tactics of Martinez. And I thought that those two substitutions in particular, that where he tried to save the game, if you like, and didn't quite come off but if he'd have started with those two perhaps it could have uh, could have provided France with something different to think about Hazard showed little glimpses tonight didn't he there was that sort of uh, there was a couple of runs he made where he sort of turned on the ball and, and that sort of thing I thought he did it on this sort of edge of the French box um, and I think he got well did he get sort of tackled or fouled by um, Pogba I think um, he showed glimpses of it as did De Bruyne but there was the final ball into the box apart from that one that De Bruyne played in the second half that absolutely gorgeous ball to um, uh, to Lukaku which just evaded him France seemed to sort of cope quite well with balls into their box didn't they yeah I thought the whole back line did, did really well and you see how they all work together in unison and, all, and Dave also just said you know Loris I agree with Dave. Lois is the best goalkeeper at this World Cup. And I remember seeing him play live many, many years ago for Lyon against Real Madrid when they knocked Real Madrid out of the Champions League. And he was like a cat with nine lives. I think he made like 18 saves in 90 minutes. And it was just a joy to behold. He's a tremendous goalkeeper. He really is. And like Dave said, you know, with the odd howler, unfortunately, but uh, he's had a fantastic World Cup. And when you have a great goalkeeper a la Buffon in 2006 and um, Casillas in 2010 and Neuer in 2014 you have a fantastic opportunity to win a trophy as well Okay, Dave what did you make of the um, some of those individuals mentioned earlier on Pogba uh, Varane anybody else you can think of 
They were sort of. Uh, Pogba was he was dropping back quite a lot today to help out in defence, wasn't he? Yeah, I think uh, Deschamps got it spot on really with how he set them up. Um, I was disappointed with uh, De Bruyne from Belgium in the second half. Um, yeah. He put in the, the odd good cross, but uh, it was, <laughs> towards the end, as, as obviously things were getting a bit more frantic, he seemed to be playing playing his teammates into trouble. And uh, I think it was Hazard ended up taking the yellow card from him at one point because he just sprayed a pass straight to someone who was going to go on the break and he had to take him down but uh, it was just strange obviously the likes of De Bruyne looked absolutely unflattable all season but uh, when it came down to it tonight there was a few of those Belgian players who uh, who weren't up to it um, unfortunately Lukaku couldn't really get in the game tonight either he, he's had a good tournament but uh, he was well marshalled tonight by Varane who I thought was exceptional again um, and that, that was really the difference um, France's best players like Mbappe and Griezmann were heavily involved whereas Belgium I don't remember certainly many clear cut chances at all for them tonight there was the Flaney header in the second half which he put just wide but I think that's the only time I can remember him beating um, Varane to the ball yeah I mean that's kind of telling in itself isn't it it's uh, it always comes down to Fellaini one way or another it's uh, <laughs> quite, quite strange that amongst all the talent they've got when the chips are down, they end up putting Fellaini on and getting further and further forward. It's like the biggest kid in the playground, isn't it? <laughs> Just hump it to Fellaini. Exactly. Uh, what did you make of Mbappe, both of you? He was absolutely fantastic. Not just his pace, but it was um, his vision as well uh, and his uh, sort of wizardry on the ball. As he, Again, he can do the sort of little tricks and turns and the change of speed and, and his, his ability to pick out a pass. There was a break in the second half um, and... It, the obvious thing to do is pass the ball in, sort of cross the ball into the box, but he managed a crossfield ball instead, I think, to um, to Griezmann, I think. His maturity just belies his years. You wouldn't think that this is a a player who's 19 years years of age. I interviewed a Dutch player, Jadis Schumann, who played against him at under-17 level when the Netherlands played France a couple of years ago. And I, I asked him about, you know, players he's played with at youth level, opponents who were really, really good. And he mentioned about the time he played against Kylian Mbappe. He said that when he was playing under 17 level in that game against France where Mbappe was playing, he said there's, there was this kid on the wing, which is Mbappe in this case. And he said, you, you, you know, you, you realise he's really, really good. But to, to have made so much progress and so quickly... That within two, within just over two years, he's gone from that under seventeen level all the way to playing in a World Cup final, which is tremendous. And and to be so important for Monaco, uh, for Monaco in the first instance, and then uh, going on to Paris Saint Germain, he's he's got a, an incredibly bright future ahead of him. I mean, I was, I was just as you were saying that, I'm just trying to think of a player of that age that's had an impact upon his career and, and the World Cup until now. And and I was thinking Brazilian Ronaldo maybe is the last sort of time we had this. Um, am I being unfair to Messi and other Ronaldo, or is it just the, the, a player that comes on and makes an impact? We knew, we knew about him from PSG and from Monaco, but um, he's kind of sort of rubber stamped his mark on this World Cup, hasn't he, Dave? He has. Um, I was I was going to make a comparison to Michael Owen. Um, yeah. From his from '98, but of course Owen's World Cup was kind of cut short in the in the in the shootout uh, in the last 16, but certainly for the impact he made considering he didn't actually start the tournament in the team uh, he obviously went, ended up scoring a couple of goals including the, the goal everyone knows against Argentina um, but Mbappe was untouchable tonight um, 
and you really wouldn't be surprised if he is going to replace Ronaldo at Real Madrid, if not this summer, then certainly next summer. It's not been a great World Cup for Neymar, is it, with that in mind? <laughs> Uh, definitely not. <laughs> um, I, I'm just trying to think. I, I, I keep thinking when we get to the final, it's a case of if we get to the final still, isn't it? I mean, imagine um, Mbappe up against, who would he be against that side? That'd be Ashley Young and Harry Maguire, wouldn't it, that side? That's what he needs, just someone to level him out. Just Maguire to go through him in the first, <laughs> the first couple of minutes. Then we'll see how good he really is. <laughs> Fair enough. Um I'm just trying to think of anything else we can take from this game that we've seen today. So, does anyone uh, want to give anybody an extra special mention? Or um, did Martinez not do something you would have preferred him to do? Or anything that you want to mention from it? What do we think about Martinez in general? Um, certainly, I've had him down as a bit of a fraud, really. Um, he's gone well beyond my expectations in getting to a semi-final. But with the team he's got, should he have done better? Um, do you, I mean, I get the feeling he was kind of shoehorning that team into a, the formation he wanted to play, um, mainly because he has no wing backs and has just played anybody he can there, um, including was it Nas Chadley tonight on one side? And I, I just don't know. Like, like, is he a genius? Is he an idiot? Like, <laughs> what's what's your opinions? Is he Guardiola or is he David Brent? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I said pre-tournament that I think Belgium would get as far as they would get, you know, however far that may have been pre-pod or uh, pre-tournament, in spite of their manager rather than because of their manager. Um, Chadley at full-back tonight did seem a little bit strange. James, you're sort of making faces. Are you thinking the same thing or are you going to defend him? Uh, no, I think he was very lucky to get the job in the first place because Belgium, they had a period where they didn't employ a, a foreign manager for years and years and years and there was always looking to employ the outstanding candidate that mainly had a um a uh, had a um a past with Anderlecht or Standard Liège or Club Bruges and I think he's very he's very fortunate to get the job because I'm sure there are other con- candidates from from Belgium itself that could have offered something different and uh, and Dave touched on it earlier in the pod as well about the tactics of uh, Didier Deschamps tonight getting it spot on first off I fully agree and I, I'm starting to think that Deschamps gets even more underrated by the day because, as I mentioned in the preview pods we had running, uh, in the run-up to this World Cup, you know, to get Monaco to a Champions League final at a really, really young age as a manager, I think he'd only been managing for like five minutes, and you reach you reach the Champions League final and you've got the experience with uh, managing in Italy and, and getting Juventus on an even kill and then with Marseille and then the French national team he's, he's accrued so much experience and he's just uh, I think he's just a very very underrated manager and the, the tactics tonight just um, just showed that France are in very very safe hands indeed uh, Graeme Jones the assistant to Roberto Martinez <laughs> do you think he felt like a competition winner these last few weeks he must have done I, I mean it's, he, he's on um Chapman ninety seven ninety eight at Wigan. Like it's, right, it's, yeah. it's it's mad. Like I mean fair play to him, like fair play to Martinez in a way for sticking to his guns with you know who he who he knows around him. Um but it's like having it's like he spent all his coaching budget on Henri. And I was like, <laughs> right, we'll get Graham Jones sorted. Yeah, I remember nineteen ninety five at Springfield Park watching Martinez and um and Graham Jones. I think they were playing Fulham. John Dean was the manager, I think, was with one of the teams. <laughs> That's pretty bad, isn't it? 
strange, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Different world, isn't it? Uh, okay, right. So that's uh, France versus Belgium. Uh, they will play. Um, well, I say the winners of tomorrow night's semi-final team Croatia and England. It's going to be England, isn't it? Uh, I think. <laughs> come on, come I on, think guys. So. <laughs> um, I, what, after the group stage, I thought Croatia looked like they were, you know, the strongest team left in our side of the draw. Um, but the, the knockout games have been turgid at best. Like they haven't been great. Um, especially against Denmark, who I thought were particularly lucky to be in the last 16. I think they really benefited from the way the fixtures were drawn out, playing France last and all that kind of thing. Um, but they've more than held their own, really, against against Croatia. And uh, the big thing in England's favour is that Croatia looked absolutely knackered on Saturday night. They yeah. had four four or five injuries. Um, and obviously, some of them must have been cramped and that kind of thing. But uh, they looked out on their feet. Two lots uh, of penalty shootouts and extra times they've had, haven't they? Exactly. I mean, as well as physically, that's got to have its effect mentally, I would think. Um, so if we can get into them early on and get an early goal, I would like to think that'll be that'll be that. But it's a World Cup semi-final. It's not Brazil-Germany, so it's not going to finish 7-1. It's probably going to be tight. It's probably going to be a set-piece goal from someone. It normally is. Um, I just really hope it's England, because although we've really surpassed expectations, it's now a semi-final against not one of the big nations. We're probably not going to get this chance again. Um, James, we've got a couple of monkeys off our back, this England team, haven't we? First of all, uh, we've won a penalty shootout, which is great. We don't win penalty shootouts at all, do we? Uh, (laughs) Second of all, we've won a knockout game and won it in 90 minutes pretty convincingly as well, haven't we? Done ever so well. It's uh, it's been a great achievement, and uh, this is a wonderful opportunity for those players and Gareth Southgate and the backroom staff. I really, really hope they take it. Um, I think if they was to go out tomorrow, people would uh, would be bitterly disappointed, but also be um, proud of them for coming as far as they did, especially being so inexperienced at international level in comparison to other countries. My prediction is. Uh, it's 1-1 one, one in, um, after 90 minutes and extra time, and I think it's going to penalties. Oh, don't say that, James. <laughs> I, do, I do, I do. I think it's... Uh, I, I can understand Dave's point with um, Croatia being looking tired, but you can also... Um, you know, the adrenaline... I think it was Argentina in 1990 that had two, um, two penalty wins, I think, against Yugoslavia and Italy that um, made them go on to reach the final. And Croatia have already had two penalty shootout wins, and that can also, if it comes down to penalties, they'll be a bit more confident as well. And I don't think they'll have a taker who's going to go looking for the postage stamp when they've scored the first three, uh, <laughs> three penalties, neither. <laughs> so um, my prediction is uh, naturally I want England to win, and uh, I really hope they do. But my prediction is one-one, and I think it's going to penalties. And I think there's going to be a final twist in the tail where uh, England will go through on penalties. Who's going to score the decisive penalty then? Oh, that's a bit of a prediction, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Vardy. Oh, Jamie Vardy, brilliant, that'd be good. Yeah, I'll go for Jamie Vardy. He, he didn't take one against Colombia, and I read some reports of people digging him out for it, but you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on in that centre circle, yeah. And who land him for where? So I'll just, uh, I'll just pick him and say that he's the one that's going to do it. He was injured, wasn't he? Because uh, he didn't, he wasn't even on the bench against Sweden. He mm. said he'd done a he'd done a groin in extra time, I think, and uh, he was down to take the fifth penalty, but he couldn't. So that's why Dyer came forward. I celebrate with a knee slide and a can of monster. 
Oh, definitely. And that's just us. <laughs> oh, you anybody going to a fan park tomorrow and throwing beer in the air? The one up here in, in Newcastle is charging £22 entry to watch it on the big screen. I read that. It's hideous. £22. And it's it's a fiver for a flat pint, so so no, to answer your question, I'm I've not. I've got to be honest, they look horrendous experiences, don't they? Because you're crammed in, in hot, sticky, sweaty weather with 20,000 strangers throwing beer in the air. It look, doesn't look fun at all. Twenty-two pound. You get you get you get into Ajax for less than that. Well, talk about talk about milk in the talk about the moment. It's supposed to provide unity and community feeling up and down the country. They're taking them to the cleaners. You don't have to stand next to Jimmy Five topless Jimmy Five bellies in Ajax either, do you? No, no. Imagine Jimmy Five bellies in ninety degrees temperature and sweat. It doesn't make thinking about, does it? <laughs> All right. So when it comes down to Sunday and uh, when we reach our manifest destiny and win the final, I'm going to be home alone, actually, because my wife is very, well, complete coincidentally, taking the uh, kids up to Bristol to uh, go to the At Bristol Museum. So I'm on my own. Which I can't, are, you bra- I can't are, you, are, you, are you bragging or complaining? Bragging. Definitely, <laughs> definitely bragging. I realised this World Cup that watching football with other people is just a horrendous experience because... I watched it in a pub and for a start people talk to you which is just annoying because you just want to concentrate on watching the game <laughs> and secondly you get uh, rugby fans in there saying well you won't be allowed to do this in rugby they just say sir and blah 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 to the referee and you get other people as well just who are only watching the world, the football because it's the World Cup and they don't normally watch it and they're just spouting bollocks so I'm on my own watching it and it's going to be amazing so <laughs> what about you guys? <clears throat> well, we've we've uh, sort of rotated around each other's houses, where, which match, which uh, where we watch each England match. So we're, uh, we haven't decided where the final's going to be yet, because obviously it depends on whether England's in it or not. But uh, we're off to a pals tomorrow night. Um, he hasn't yet hosted, so we'll have to be on our best behaviour. But I, t- I took like a thumb to the eye in the in the penalty shootout celebration, so it, it could be quite hazardous. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's it's just carnage, but there was no beer thrown, so it's, I'll take a thumb to the eye any day. <laughs> My wife went shopping during the quarterfinal on Saturday. How much did you have to give her? Nothing, honestly. absolutely <laughs> no interest. It's really weird because she's got no idle curiosity about it. You know, it's that nice we're doing well. She's just got absolutely no interest. She went to the... she. Um, um, she went shopping, and then last week when the, the, we were in the sort of shootout against Columbia she watched the hotel inspector <laughs> it's bizarre it's quite admirable in a way <laughs> uh, guys we've got one more piece of business to talk about before we finish you might as well talk about it um, Cristiano Ronaldo today has joined Juventus um, James you were quite animated about this in our WhatsApp group earlier on I think it's brilliant I think it needs to be commended uh, although he's, um, he has um, some personal qualities that people can't necessarily appreciate being a little bit too arrogant and being a bit silly at times you have to commend him looking for the sporting challenge because for him has he got a sporting challenge at Juventus yeah I think he has I think he has because that league you saw with Atalanta battering Everton in the Europa League last year as an example you saw Roma scoring six six goals against Liverpool Lazio have invested well. Inter Milan have invested heavily uh, in this uh, transfer window. There are some very good defences overall in that league. 
and uh, just because not all of them play in Europe and just because some of them fly under the, under the radar, um, I think he's going to find the challenge of, of a different type of defence coming up against different types of defenders in a different country. And Italy is known for its defensive capabilities. I just think it's tremendous that he's, that he's gone and accepted the sporting challenge. Because there's one particular Argentinian player who we're never going to see in another league. And people just don't seem to, it doesn't seem to bother them. Okay, I know it's a personal choice, but I, for one, cannot understand for the life of me how people can say Messi is the greatest of all time and yet he's only ever played in one league. If you look at the greatest of all time, uh, Maradona, Cruyff, Beckenbauer, all those different types of names, they all have experience in. Um, in different leagues, for example, Cruyff at, uh, here in Ajax and going to Barcelona. And Ronaldo started out in Portugal, went to England, went to Spain, and he's now going to Italy. You're saying he's and a journeyman, are you? No, I just think it's very, <laughs> I just think it's very clever to be able to to be able to leave your mark on one league is tough enough, but he'll end up leaving his mark on every single one. And I think that's very very impressive. And I think from a business sense as well for Real Madrid to have brought him for 80 and then sell him eight years later for for 100 million euros, I think that's a, I think that's a tremendous bit of business. I kind of agree with you to a point because I, I watch um, Serie A on BT Sport um, and it is quite, a t- I mean, you know, playing Godin and Jimenez every week and people like that can't have been easy, but it's, it's quite a physical league. Um, and like you said, I think it was, I think it was yourself that said in WhatsApp, or I might have read it on Twitter, that um, you know if you, you uh, sort of spells of the world aren't going to be too bothered about giving him a kick up the arse while um, while he's playing, he's going to find it tough. My only thing is, he, he's Juventus have won it seven times in a row. It's not massively competitive, I suppose. It was closer this year, but you know, I, th- it, I think with the investment of especially into Milan. And I think Napoli under Ancelotti, even though that's, I don't think Sarri's been relieved of his duties yet. Um, there is, um, I think it will be close, but um, yeah, there'll be enough to keep him occupied. And you've also got the challenge of uh, Juventus uh, finally winning the Champions League again for the first time since, what, was it, what will it be, 1985, will it? So uh, this is, 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 96. Oh, 96. Uh, oh yeah, that was the quiz against Ajax, of course. Why did I, why did I forget that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a challenge for him in Serie A, and there's also a challenge for him in the Champions League as well. So there's enough, there's enough to keep him occupied in Juventus. Dave, are we feeling sorry for the media company that spent three trillion pounds, whatever it was, getting the La Liga rights for the UK? Oh no, um, it's, it's a real bugbear of mine. How many different companies have got their fingers in the football pie? Like it's. As, as a consumer, you're having to pay for like five or six different subscriptions at the minute if, if you want to watch your fair share of, uh, of European football. Um, so, sod them. But if, <laughs> if Ronaldo wanted the, the sporting challenge, he should have come to Newcastle or any other club who hasn't won seven titles in a row. Like, it's, it's a calculated risk from him because he's going to a club that's probably going to win the league still. Mm. He'll have his fair share of, of terrible teams who he can bully and he'll still get his 30 to 40 goals. Um, as James says, it's it's be interesting to see how far they go in the Champions League, um, especially without him having to face himself as Real Madrid, because they seem to have Juventus' number. So we'll just see how how it goes. But uh, it's it, it's it's good. It's something that you've got to embrace. I think it was getting a bit dull, really. Him and Messi scoring sixty each, and uh, in, from that respect, it would be nice to see uh, one of the other leagues benefiting from 
you know, one of the best players we've, we're ever going to see. Okay, well, we've got a couple of minutes left, so we'll talk about another couple of things. Riyad Mahrez to Manchester City for £6 million, and Jack Wilshere uh, to West Ham. Uh, oh, Jamal Lasalle's Dave, possibly to West Ham. He's better than West Ham, isn't he? He is, and um, obviously we've come out today and said he's absolutely not for sale. Um, unfortunately, Mike Ashley is in charge, so everyone is for sale if there's enough zeros. Um, however, I don't think 25 mil is anywhere <coughs> near enough in today's market. Um, bear in mind, Lascelles is what 24, and he's been captain of a Premier League team who finished 10th. Yeah. You know, he's 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 going to be worth I wouldn't say maybe upwards of 40 million or around that kind of mark for me in the current market. Um, and West Ham, as you say, it's, it's a bit of a sideways step, really. I, I don't see why he would do it unless he really wants to be in the capital, but. Um, he's got a good thing going where he is now. He's working with Rafa Benitez. Uh, I'll be very surprised if he goes to West Ham. If so, if a, if a European side came in from a European qualified side in, in England, I say quite came in from, maybe a different story. But I, I don't think that's likely. Uh, and he's anywhere he goes, he's not going to be the captain. He's not going to be the central figure he is now. So I think it's just speculation. Fair enough. And then James Jack Wilshere to West Ham. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought his whole family's West Ham fans and I think he wanted to stay in London. He flirted with uh, Fenerbahce and there was rumours of talks of uh, of him going to Fenerbahce and um, I've often been an advocate of uh, British players going abroad if they have the opportunity and I thought that he may well take it but in the end he decided to stay in London. But uh, as an Arsenal fan, I can only wish him all the best. I hope he, uh, hope he goes on to have a, a decent career and um, yeah, I look forward to seeing him back at the Emirates back in August. All right, and then Dave Stephen Taylor to Wellington Phoenix. <laughs> that happened, does it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it could be a danger over there instead of over here. <laughs> danger to who himself? Or oh, I mean, he's he's just a lunatic. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, brilliant. Thank you ever so much, guys. James, if they want to follow you on Twitter, how do you are listeners follow you on Twitter? They can follow me on Twitter at, at James Rowe NL. Okay, Dave, if they want to follow you, um, at CM nine seven nine eight. Okay, uh, and you can follow me at Cetchingham77. Uh, you can follow Man on the Post on Twitter and on Instagram by uh, following at Man on the Post. You can download us from Acast, iTunes, Podcast Republic, or wherever else. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can uh, rate reviews on iTunes, um, and that helps boost us up the charts a little bit. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, and it all comes through into your inbox. You can follow on Acast, and it all comes through automatically to your inbox. Uh, each podcast that we download. There will be a podcast tomorrow uh, reviewing our grand march that continues onwards uh, to the World Cup final um, and then probably previewing uh, Belgium-Croatia in the third, fourth place playoff as well, uh, which is Saturday night. Um, Guys, thank you ever so much. Thank you for having us. It's been good. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been good fun. Excellent. And always remember to keep your man on the post.